Welcome to the RV Navigator Podcast, your RV lifestyle digital home. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile RV studio that might be parked in a campground near you. Hello, this is Ken, your RV navigator. And Martha, the co-pilot. And we're talking to you from the our at-home studio. studio on a cold, rainy day, April showers bringing May flowers, we hope. But we are just about through the end of April, and we have been home almost the whole month after doing the the big closing the big purchase. down in Florida. Yes, we made a small detour from Charleston down to Florida to Titusville, where we spent most of the winter at the Great Outdoors, and we have now purchased the big lot. We're officially owners. Only took an extra 800 miles of driving, <laughs> but it was worth it. Yes. We got all the paperwork done and got it cleaned up, and it was very hard to look at a lot while other people were living on it, so yes. I feel like I finally understand what and I bought. And we power washed it. Yep. to fit the rental agreement that we have to sign so that it can be rented out. But what's very interesting is, is that a couple of listeners have actually contacted us about uh, using the lot while we're not there, and we are more than happy to accommodate them. We're going to turn into real estate moguls. <laughs> and the price is definitely right. We're not in it to make money. So uh, if you'd like to go to the great outdoors sometime besides January, February, or March, uh, contact us, and we will probably have a place to stay for uh, a couple of weeks or so, whatever is of interest to you. So we really like the great outdoors, and if you're uh, interested in looking at a lot there, uh, we would strongly recommend. You know, we spent a lot of winters looking at places to stay since for the winter. Since we retired. Since that was our goal since we retired, was to find a place that we could spend the winter and be happy. And I think probably yeah, I feel the good great about outdoors it. will be the place that we will find uh acceptable i'm so still not sure we've how, done our homework how much we will use it yes we're well still for the time in, being in the wanderlust mode but eventually we'll run out of warm weather places to go that we want to see yeah we don't want to talk that to death but uh, it is nice to go to florida in the winter time if you can when we drove home, we did so expeditiously, yes. and when we're in expeditious mode, we usually stop and refuel at the Flying J because it's quick and easy, and it has the high-volume diesel pumps that the big big boys use. So otherwise, that- it can take us uh, over half an hour. If we go up to the regular car pumps to fill up our tank, it can take a half an hour for us just to fill. So even though we realize that it's not necessarily the cheapest price, we're willing to pay a bit more for the speed and convenience. And we've been using our good SAM card to get, yes. I think, three cents off. But it's been a frustrating experience yes, because we think that we can pay at the pump, but inevitably we go through all the swiping routines. That's one of the problems with Flying J. And then, then they send me inside and they ask me how much is he wanting to spend. And I say, well, he just wants to fill it up. And they say, how much is that? And then I have to wave at him and that they've put in an amount and then I never guess right. It's been frustrating. Yes. So I went on our Google Plus page and some of you gave me some advice about how to solve this problem and you advised me to apply for a new Flying J card that is linked directly to your checking account uh, with lots of passwords and procedures, which I haven't totally wrapped my <laughs> mind around yet because we're not going anywhere in the motorhome at the moment. You have advised me that with this new card, I will save six cents a gallon and... Yeah, no. 
Um, no, you won't pay six cents a gallon. You get a six cents a gallon discount. I will save oh, so six you, cents a gallon, okay. and once we have swiped ourselves in, uh, we can pump away until we're done, and that should make very, that very much more convenient. A quick and easy stop. And now, of course, those of you with regular diesels and gas are saying, what the hell are they talking about? But we go to the place where the, the big trucks go. But we do have to say that once we got home in a fairly empty state, yes. that we found in, the cheapest diesel right here in at home. Illinois. In Metro Chicago, where it's never cheap. Yeah, I paid three forty six per gallon for diesel. It's amazing how the difference between diesel and gas fluctuates so much. Now diesel is somewhat cheaper than gas around here. And, and that's, that's happened before. That's and, happened before. And, and of course, the other will, times you go to places and there's 50, 60 cents. A huge difference. Difference in, uh, in the two. So I, we don't have any idea why that is. Maybe somebody could enlighten us. <laughs> well, I've read stuff. It hasn't really made sense to me. So since we've been home, oh, the shopping monster that oh, is my husband wait, has been, I've been, I've been anxiously awaiting. unleashed. It hasn't come. Oh, and no. Amazon boxes oh. appear regularly. No, but we're talking about the big box, the major box. The one that your new computer came in? No. <laughs> We've been waiting for our Apple Watch. And he got up at 2 o'clock in the morning, <laughs> which is not his usual procedure, to order it. And it was the, the first people who ordered were supposed to get their watches. On the 24th of April, and the 24th of April has, has gone come and, and come, gone. and I still don't even have a delivery date. I think they're cheating me. And we're about to leave um, at the end of the month for a little cruise through the Panama Canal, and we're starting to worry that the... I won't be there to show it off. And you won't be there to sign for it, more importantly, and they'll take it back and more give it to somebody else. Well, I bought an Apple Watch, but I haven't got it, so you have to wait till next month to hear about it. But tune in next month, because I will almost certainly have it by then. Whoop-dee-doo. Unless things go bad. But you have many other new purchases yes. to talk about. You've been going hog-wild. There's a pent-up demand, kind of. Well, it's but, hard to... to... Uh, I did buy uh, my tower mac that i use at home my my main computer for doing pictures and videos and all that and sort of these stuff. recordings and whenever these we're recordings, at the home right. studio has always been well has been done for the last few years on my 2009 tower ancient ancient well that is by technology standards and so i've been looking around and i'm a macintosh person as most of you know and mac makes these new mac pros which are these little donut shaped things that are very, very expensive, uh, far beyond, and they don't have much capability for expansion. And in reading, uh, photographers have been raving about the iMac 5K retina display. So I bought a new iMac with the 27-inch 5K retina display, and wow, we are stunned. We have bought retina displays on our iPads, and smaller computers. And smaller computer laptops. laptops. And we were not impressed. Yeah, the retina nice. display was nice, but, but it wasn't. You didn't go. Was nice uh, to me, you didn't go. Wow, that's really impressive. But this new monitor, uh, I have it sitting next to my old monitor, both running off the same computer. The old monitor, I cannot even calibrate to the to the quality level that the that the that the new one displays. It's just amazing how much more detail and how much. The better the pictures look. The um, color differences. Yeah, it's not the twenty-seven inch monitor. It's the actual pixel display. Yeah, the 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 detail is much finer, and you can read 
text that's much finer. And, and my old monitor, I thought, was good. I always liked it. It was expensive. It was a, a Dell-quality 24-inch monitor. But, boy, this new one is just Good for aging eyeballs. And for doing, you know, quality picture adjustments so that it'll match the printer, the Epson, uh, the new printer we bought, Photo 2000, R2000 printer. Can't leave home again for a while. But we are. Oh, no. <laughs> Where have you got me going now? To the Panama Canal. <laughs> oh, jeez. Just a quick trip. I'm not going to enjoy only, that at only all. Only two only weeks. Two weeks. <laughs> and then, of course, we head off with the motorhome again uh, for a couple of months as we head to the Maritimes. We also bought a new camera. Boy, I've been a believer in the DSLR for a long time. I've had a DSLR for well over 10, 10 years. And because I like the viewfinder, you see people like the co-pilot with their 30x zoom lens i love it (laughs) but but what's the problem i have no viewfinder well you have no you have the lcd viewfinder on the back but it's not very good i well no it's a quality viewfinder when i'm in bright sunshine right and even not that bright of sunshine my i often miss like i'm taking a picture of a ship a sail when you zoomed into 30 and i miss the top of the mast because i can't see where it is so what i've been doing is just taking much more picture than i think i need and cropping it which is Mm -hmm. kind of stupid i on the other hand have stuck with my digital slr because i like the viewfinder and when i zoom in i want to see what i'm going to take the picture of and i want to frame it correctly and i want it to be i want to see what it what it is that we're shooting and i want to hold it up to my eye where you get a nice as steady a, a platform as possible whereas when you're holding it in the at arm's length with a 30x zoom and by the way of course that's 30x optical we know that you're not going to get a good picture you no, just cannot get you just cannot and you've had this experience they're and I've blurry tried very hard to be very still because this is something you've been very aware of so i've been very reluctant to get rid of the digital slr even though these people with their mirrorless little interchangeable lens cameras are is very appealing cuz they're so small and light and all the accessories are nice and light and I've wanted the mirrorless, but I just couldn't justify it until recently. Okay, so I've been looking around, and I finally found what I think is a decent alternative to a digital SLR for general purpose photography. So I purchased the Lumix, which is made by Panasonic, the DMC FZ1000, which gets super good reviews. This camera is a 24 to 400 millimeter zoom lens on a one-inch sensor, but it's an all-in-one, and has a really quality EVF, which Which is is the electronic viewfinder. So that, and I really like the way it works, and I have had a number of cameras with electronic viewfinders, and I've been disappointed. The refresh rate is slow. You can't tell focus when you hold your eye up to the camera. They're dim, even with... Even though you're holding it up to your eye, it's so it really wasn't a big improvement, and the ergonomics just wasn't right. Whereas this camera, the viewfinder is OLED, and it really is bright and refreshes, and as you can see, sharpness, and it's a very fine camera, 20 megapixels, and a 24 to 400 fixed mount lens, but that's not really all that much of a. She's laughing at me. I'm just You've zooming. got an 800. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. Almost zooming in. Out. Well, this is a bigger lens because it's on a one-inch sensor. So my sensor is about three times larger than your sensor. <laughs> 
shall we compare sensors? <laughs> but my camera fits in my pocket. I have also recently purchased the Sony RX100 Mark II, which also has a pop-up viewfinder on a small pocketable camera. Which is something that I'm lusting after now, too. Because... Because I can't see what I'm taking pictures of. And they have recently come out with a Lumex that is a 30x zoom that has the pop-up range uh, viewfinder. So you have that as an option in the future, Mm -hmm. should you want to buy that camera. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have the one-inch sensor, but it's still a nice camera. Which I don't care because I don't blow up my pictures really big. But being able to hold the viewfinder up to your eye... And and, see what I'm taking a picture of. And see what you're taking a picture of is a huge benefit. And as many of you know, we are going to Africa to photograph the animals in the fall so that we are kind of looking towards that as uh, our (laughs) That's what's motivating us right now. And because we can only take 30 pounds of stuff, we want the stuff, our cameras to be light. So my new Panasonic uh, Lumix... 1000 is very light also, which Mm -hmm. I was impressed Mm -hmm. with. Uh, I expected it to be comparable to the DSLR, but it's smaller and lighter, so I'm looking forward to uh, carrying something much smaller. Plus, it does 4K video. Which means... Now, of course, doing 4K video is not really all that big of a deal because you don't have any place to display it. Yeah. But... The cool part about doing 4K video right now, not only are you future-proofing yourself, but you're also... <laughs> Can you do something? So that your husband will not be complaining about the quality of his video oh, when he gets his 4K TV. He's uh, getting a 4K TV? Uh, well, I would definitely anticipate getting a 4K mm. TV in the not-too-distant future, and probably one for his motorhome, too. But anyway, you can extract 8-megapixel stills, so it's taking essentially... 38 megapixel stills every second. So in those cases where the animals are doing all sorts of great things and you don't know when to shoot your picture, you can shoot video and then extract the best frames out of it. And these are quality frames. It actually has a video still frame mode. So I'm looking forward to trying out this camera. And I've enjoyed the Sony with the pop-up. It's not that you don't use the LCD viewfinder. And, of course, they both the Sony and the Panasonic have have an articulated LCD viewfinder on the back, but they have the second capability of the viewfinder that you put your eye up to. That's the technology updates. If you are into Mac, the new Photos app is uh, something that you might want to consider. Being an Aperture user myself, I've been really frustrated because Aperture is not no longer being updated, and I have downloaded the Adobe product called Lightroom, and... Boy, if anybody of you out there has done the transition or if you're a Lightroom user, let me know. I'm really up in the air about how to transition. The new Photos app that comes with updates of the Mac OS gets good reviews as an upgrade from iPhoto, but is not a replacement for Aperture. And we really like Aperture. Mm Mm-hmm. Now that I finally learned how to use it. We use it on both of our laptops, and it really is nice. And we'll use it as long as we can, but someday it's going to kind of go away. We have to be ready for that. So now a completely different topic. While we were in Florida, in Titusville, we ran into a number of podcast listeners, (laughs) including a nice young couple, Dan and Janelle. I don't know if they consider themselves young. Well, to us, they're young. To us, everybody's young. (laughs) Um, Who have gone full-timing before the age of retirement. And they were camped nearby. They even took us out to lunch, which yes. was certainly above and beyond. And we had a fun afternoon playing golf with them. Um, sadly, they were much better golfers than we were, but that isn't hard to do. No. 
And while we were with them and talked to them, they talked to us about one of their big fundraising projects throughout the year. As young full-timers, they still need to worry about making some money. We thought that what they had to tell us about working for Amazon as a camper was very interesting, and we invited them to come back and talk to us on record so that you could hear about their experiences and maybe some of you would uh, like to do that as well and it certainly gave me a better understanding yes, of how the Amazon we always hear about Amazon process but we didn't works know about and it. how they yeah. can do it so quickly and get you the right stuff and it's pretty amazing it's a very enjoyable interview I think and it addresses some of the issues that our younger listeners may be facing because they have bought a fifth wheel and how they did it and they just hit the road I, I guess you have these crises sometimes in your life and you say i've got to kind of make some transitions and this is uh, what they did and it's very interesting to hear their logic and what they did and it makes a lot of sense to me and probably we have said we would, should have done it earlier also water yes. under the bridge but take that as a lesson dear listener and we hope you enjoy the interview with dan and chanel so listeners we are here with somebody who actually tracked us down we talk often on our podcast about if you're in a campsite near us please come and see us <laughs> And they did. And they did. <laughs> and so we're very happy to have uh, Janelle and Dan here as listeners and guests. We found their story to be very interesting. So today they're going to be our talent. Talent, yes. Share the microphone. Tell us how you got into RVing. We've always wanted to do RVing as a retirement choice. Uh-huh. But we decided to, I had worked at a hospital for over 10 years, and just with all the things that I saw, how quickly life can change through (laughs) illness or injury, um, and a lot of people had a lot of regrets that had kept Mm -hmm. putting off and putting off and putting Uh off until it was the right time, and then something happened. And we decided when Dan turned 50, we decided let's just kind of throw caution to the wind, and we sold our house, and we sold most of our stuff. We bought a fifth wheel, and we're hitting the road, and we do work camping for about eight months of the year. So you're living the RV dream that so many people think about. I mean, as retirees, I think, you know, this is kind of an obvious choice or or one that's much more feasible. But for you to both abandon your jobs at a fairly early age, before retirement certainly, right? Yes. And then to head off into the RV lifestyle and to, to live your dreams. And so this is a, a really uh, fascinating topic, I think, for our, our listeners. Yeah. We have been doing it. It will be two years in June. And that's 2015. Even when I put in my notice of resignation uh-huh. at work, it, I was, like, terrified. And still, <sighs> for the first several be... months, was still terrifying because, okay, is this the right thing to do? Are we doing uh-huh. this? Are we crazy? But we always knew if worse came to worse, we could go back to settling down and doing something. But we just didn't want to have any regrets, and so far we have absolutely no regrets. Two years of no regrets. But you obviously have to earn a little money as you go along here without a retirement income. Well, that's correct. And I think the one thing that people need to understand is we're not on vacation 12 months of the year. Uh Um, Well, we aren't on vacation either. (laughs) (laughs) So we're we're both in our young 50s, and I was a school teacher for 27 Uh years. And like she said, all the things that we've seen and all the people that have had these goals and then they don't get them because something comes up and they're always trying to wait for just that right time. And sometimes there isn't just a perfect time, uh-huh. and you just have to go ahead and, and try it out. And it was nerve-wracking. It, it was think. a little bit for me. Um, I, I was ready to do it. Um, mm-hmm. 27 years in education in the state of Wisconsin, it was time, and there was uh-huh. a lot of changes being made right. within the educational system. I think the big thing for us is we didn't have children as uh-huh. well, uh-huh. and both of us being in our young 50s now, we're able to do this, and uh-huh. I don't think we would be starting this in our 
say young 60s or uh-huh. young 70s I, I think it's harder as you get mm-hmm. older to start mm-hmm. a lifestyle like this i think it's easier when you're a little bit younger and mm-hmm. then you can get a feel for it and then as you get older it just it's something you've been doing and mm-hmm. i think that kind of was one of the things we talked about as well and of course the number one thing we heard of from every single full-timer just about without a doubt if they could do one thing over again what would it be uh-huh. and their number one response was always we would have started sooner Yes, And I think that was one of the big selling points for us. Uh-huh. So you just left your job with we, no retirement and no strings, no, no sabbatical or nope, no any, any thought of, of coming back. A clean slate. We just Well, I, I will get a small pension yeah. when I turn 55 in a couple more uh-huh. years here. But that wasn't one of the goals. And so now, though, obviously you have to have an income. Right. We do work camping. You know, there's a lot of people that work on the road with uh, web-based designs mm-hmm, and things mm-hmm. like that. But we just do your traditional work camping jobs. Uh-huh. Um, we've worked for the past two years. We've worked at Amazon, which we've really enjoyed. And we see them at all of the RV yes. shows. They yes. always have a booth where they're recruiting full-timers. And they, and I, but I always thought that that was kind of something they, they did kind of reluctantly. They're finding that the work campers are a lot more reliable than the temporary employees uh-huh. that they hire for their seasonal. There's, there's something about work campers, and I think if more and more employers kind of took a look at the work campers... You know, and realize these are people that were just there for a very short amount of time. We're there to make money and do whatever it takes. And, and that's our attitude with going into our work camping jobs is we can do anything for three to five months. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it really doesn't matter. And that's kind of the attitude that you have to have. There's some people that we have seen that have gone into these work camping jobs and they're disappointed because they're not fulfilling. fulfilling. Yeah, and yeah. no, these aren't, these are just kind of menial an job. End. And that's, and that's, it's the means to get us to where we go on to okay where do we want to go next summer to work what area of the country do we want to explore and then we'll look for jobs in that area last summer we were at crazy horse memorial and spent the whole summer out in the black hills of south dakota and when you work out there you get this vip pass that gives you free admission to Uh all the attractions out there that was just a a lot it really was we probably saved over eight hundred dollars to see everything out there and that was you know a wonderful experience and as with Amazon, the pay, it's 40 hours a week. It's a hard job. I mean, it's there's no secret that this is a very uh-huh. physical job. You get paid for 40 hours a week. You get your campsite, full hookups, everything is, is, is paid for. So basically, so your, it's, living your living are pretty expenses free. Are, are free. Are included. Yes. And, and then they also pay um, time and a half really? for overtime. And wow. they, they do, after Thanksgiving, they will go on to uh, 50 hours as it gets kind of closer to and Christmas. And you make a commitment to Amazon for a certain number of weeks? Yes. It's Is usually flexible? Um, it's flexible. Some people will go up to 16 weeks. And we usually like to do 12 weeks. We call it our 12-week fitness plan <laughs> because we've always lost weight working at Amazon. Uh-huh. And some people can go, I think, up to the middle of November is usually the last date that they will hire people. So some people are only working Five about six, six uh-huh. weeks. Uh-huh. So it's really kind of whatever you want. Amazon's pretty accommodating at their jobs. And where were you working? Start. We were working the first year we went to Campbellsville, Kentucky, which we really enjoyed. We were picking. And then last year, we also went back to Campbellsville, Kentucky, but then they needed some help up in Jeffersonville, Indiana. So even though it's December, we decided to go north in December and <laughs> went up to work up there with a uh, 100 other people because Amazon offered some pretty uh, nice incentives. Uh-huh. We each got a $1,000 after-tax bonus just for going up there for those four uh-huh. weeks. And with all that extra money that we made, we are now not working 
for January through April because we had all this you extra money. To. We don't need to. It's kind of paid for our camp, our campsite. So this is sort of our little four-month vacation. When we talked to you before, you talked about the camaraderie that develops among the workers. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which is amazing. Yes. I mean, a temporary part-time workers. And that's that's kind of the best thing. I mean, we don't wake up and say, oh, boy, we get to go to work again. Right? <laughs> but we, you but, really get to meet so many more people, and it's, it, it is kind of like a little family. We had Thanksgiving together with everybody. You know, um, mm-hmm. People put on potlucks. They do a lot of things together. So you're all together in the same campground? When we were in Indiana, we were, most of us were all in the same campground in uh-huh. kentucky there were seven different campgrounds uh-huh. but there's it's pretty much always all amazon workers at all of these campgrounds and it's great so for the campgrounds too I oh would think. yeah it's like a little windfall for the campgrounds and, and they pay for everything they pay for everything oh, yes so i mean your living expenses are just food then. right that's it's just really, food just so what, this, i mean know, this really helps your budget i would think absolutely because time. you're sitting when we were at in campbellsville for instance we were at the campground that was right across the street mm-hmm. so for eight weeks we never even put gas in our truck because wow. we walked to work and so it was just <laughs> going to the grocery stores you can make a living doing these work camping jobs you know they're not great paying jobs amazon was uh ten dollars an hour although at the other locations they're Ten seventy-five an hour mm-hmm. with, overtime, you know, with, and overtime, with overtime and everything, and, and you're not—you know—you're kind of at control of your own expenses. Mm-hmm. How and much you're, not you're needing charge. to spend much? Correct. So everything you earn, and, you and can, correct. You were both on the same schedule and that sort of stuff. Yes, and Amazon always puts you week, on the same schedule, uh-huh. same department. And then so we work four ten-hour days, nice if you're, mm-hmm. yeah. and then you can work up to sixty hours a week when it um, in December when they're on their overtime <laughs> peak Jeez. season. And and the same thing with uh, working at uh, Crazy Horse this past summer, we were able to work four days mm-hmm. a week, which was very nice. And that, was that at us, Amazon too? No, that no, was at okay. uh, Crazy at Horse. Just Crazy Horse, and that was in South mm-hmm. Dakota. But that allowed us three days a week to go explore yeah. the Black Hills and Custer yeah, State when Park you're in and nice the Badlands, and it was just a phenomenal experience. In the cold weather with Amazon, I think you'd probably just as soon work. I mean, there's nothing yes. much to do yeah, there. Once it gets, so that's yeah. Yeah, a different situation. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. how'd you find Amazon? They were actually at a, a rally that we were at. Mm-hmm. That we went to mm-hmm. a rally and we talked to them there. Oh, and what's another nice thing about Amazon that we have found is just with talking with all the other work campers is is you really get a good idea of what the good jobs are uh-huh. out there. The good, so they're all work advertise. campers and they're all they're all work campers looking for jobs. Yes, and they're all looking for jobs. <laughs> Any and, competition and, there? Um, not really. And uh-huh. and our job that we got out at Crazy Horse we got from another couple that we met out at Amazon. Uh-huh. And the job this summer we're going to be out at a gift store out in the city of West Yellowstone. Uh-huh. And we got that job from a couple Is that, that a we private worked company with. Or it's a private not company, a not a government. Um, so we are going to be in the city, and that will pay $9 an hour for all hours worked. Uh-huh. And that's going to be four 10-hour days as well. So that gives uh-huh. us three days off to uh, really explore the area. And they provide you with and they, the campground? And they'll pay for the campground in full, plus the electricity. Uh-huh. And then we also get a $0.50 cent an hour retention bonus. Uh-huh. So yeah. the good jobs. And then we have kind of an idea of where we're going to be next year. We're going to look out at the Grand Tetons. We have a couple <laughs> job offers uh-huh. that we got. It's also from people that we worked with at Amazon. So a- Amazon's really turned out to be a really good network as Your well. clearinghouse. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's, well, that's all people mm-hmm. who are doing that. Yes. Now, now, there's a lot of people that don't like Amazon simply because oh, really? it is a very challenging job. as physicality as well as it can be a very boring job as uh-huh. well. But our thought was for 12 weeks we can do yeah, anything, right. and we walked about uh, on average 12 miles a day. <laughs> but we were pickers. Now, not yeah. all jobs yeah. at Amazon do you walk. Yeah. Pickers are the ones that walk. It, like she said, 
allowed us to lose weight, so we refer to it as our fitness program, and it gives us a little bit of money as well. Um, One of the other things, as far as our jobs are concerned, we wanted to try to find jobs like this as opposed to some of the older traditional work camping positions, which were managing a Mm -hmm. campground. And that was one we kind of didn't want to do. Uh Um, Not that we couldn't, but uh, we we just would prefer to do other types of things and see the country as well. And see the country. I mean, this is a great way to really kind of do an in-depth tour because the crazy horse job must have given you the opportunity to really know the the area. area. It's it's better than just touring. And then you really are working with a lot of people that live in that area so mm-hmm. you kind of get a lot of inside tips of good places to go to as well. Yeah, exactly. Did you feel that Amazon did a good job of explaining the physical demands to you that people didn't get recruited who couldn't hack it? I think so. I think they're pretty honest about the physical. For me, the hardest part when I first started the first two weeks was just how boring mm-hmm. it was because when you're a picker, you're all by yourself. Mm-hmm. And I mean, so you better like yourself because you're going to be talking to yourself all the time. Singing songs and to yourself. Songs and you're going to talk to your scanner. And, and that was probably the surprising thing was uh-huh. just how hard that was. The mental team. You've never, you've never the, done a job no, like this before. No, I've always, you've always had, had a challenging, mentally challenging, challenging job. job. Yeah, that's where you're talking with patients all uh-huh. day and this, you know, and, and to just be by yourself was a little, that was the hardest part for me. It's just so that. Amazon hired a hundred work campers. No, they at the they usually hire in Campbellsville. They hired around five hundred plus work campers. Work campers. Not and just temporary people. No, work not campers. Just work campers. Wow. And how many people? Wow, they must employ a lot. Well, their their town is uh, nine thousand in Campbellsville, mm-hmm. and they hire. Well, if you include all the temps that they hire that don't make it more than <laughs> to lunch, some of them actually <laughs> leave prior to lunch. Uh, it, it's several thousand actually, but uh, uh-huh. when all said and done, it's probably close to about maybe a thousand extra people that they need uh-huh. for the peak season. Now, when we went up to Jeffersonville in uh, Indiana, which is right across the border mm-hmm. from Louisville, it's a humongous plant. There was over 5,000 workers a day working at uh, that facility, and it's only been around for three years. Wow. And it's just an apparel facility, but uh-huh. it has just grown. The amount of volume they've done has actually doubled every year that they've been uh-huh. open. Uh-huh. So the bottom line is, for any listeners who are interested in working for Amazon on a part-time basis at Christmas. The sky's the limit. I mean, there's going to be enough work. Oh, last year they added Murfreesboro, uh-huh. Tennessee. They had Campbellsville. Uh, they are going to be building another one, uh-huh. I understand, in uh, Nevada. Um, there's a new one that's opening up uh-huh. next year that you can actually work at um, near Dallas, Texas. Uh-huh. So do all of their distribution facilities uh, hire temps of this or, kind? Or work campers? Work campers? No, there's just four right oh. now that have work uh, camper programs. Uh-huh. It's uh-huh. It's really, it just depends on where the facility is. If it's in a major metropolitan area like Tampa or Phoenix, uh, they don't really need to have, uh, you know, to try to get extra people. Because they have have enough local people to to bring in. For example, we're from uh, the Wisconsin area and originally, and they just built a new plant Mm -hmm. in Kenosha. Uh But between uh, Milwaukee, Kenosha, and Chicago, there's enough employees there that when the peak season does Uh come, they will need to hire more workers during that time. But they're Uh, available. But they're available, exactly. Uh Because you have to be more expensive than a temp. Not really. Well, I mean, when you consider really, no, I mean, you're, they you're actually, paying they, your living expenses. They actually pay the temps a little bit more, oh. but you figure if they pay the temps, uh, let's say three dollars more an hour, uh-huh. and you work a ten-hour day, yeah, that's thirty dollars a day t- that goes to your campground. Uh-huh. 
But also, they said that the work campers have a 96% attendance rate, uh-huh. and the temporary people are around 62%. Ooh. So it's easier better employees. because we show up, and we, you know, there's a lot of temps that yeah. don't make it through a day. <laughs> So, you know, then they put in that time to hire that person and train. And so it's not, it's cost effective if you're getting Uh, people that that have this focus on just being there for a very Uh, short amount of time, making money, and then going on to their uh, next destination. And the national parks is also another great place because they need a lot of workers for their season. Uh And where are they going to get, you know, like in Yellowstone, where are they going to get all these people when they're in the middle of nowhere? Right. So, so basically, you have two times a year when you work. Yeah. So basically, so now I mean, mm-hmm. so it's basically the winter quarter, I guess, or up to Christmas, and then in the summer. In the summer, yeah. You know, so so pretty much from May through December, mm-hmm. we will be working. So. Well, in January and February are the two coldest months, obviously, yeah, of the yeah. year. And most RVers are going to be going to the three most popular destinations of Florida, California, Texas, or obviously Arizona's out in that region as well. There aren't as many jobs there because there's so much of a flood of people that come in at that time. And also there's not as many vacations that take place, so they don't need as many workers. So that's what makes the summer and then the late fall, early winter a little easier. My understanding is Disney hires quite a few people too. Disney does, but they don't get pay for your campsite or anything. So there's no... So you're just a temp. You're just a seasonal. So uh you'd still have to find. And all the parks around Disney are. If you can't afford wilderness, your salary would be Yeah, we'd still be owing them money. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that would be be hard. So where do you go the rest of the year? Uh, Well, this year we'll be in Florida basically from January Mm. through April, Mm -hmm. uh, the beginning of April. Then we'll head north towards Wisconsin. Um, We get a chance to hang out then with our friends Mm. and relatives. Mm -hmm. Um, We actually uh, are allowed to dry camp a little bit at my uh, Uh sister's house Uh in uh, Appleton, Wisconsin. Uh Uh, She has a very nice little area for us to hang out, and we actually get to plug in. So, Uh But uh, it's not 50 or 30 amp, but but we get full privileges of working in their clubhouse. So Uh they have... Of, uh, washer, dryer, oh, and, then, <laughs> and our dog is even given yeah. free reign of the oh, clubhouse, yeah. and that just doesn't happen no. at a campground. Right. Uh, but then usually we'll head out, uh, well, since they usually it's only been for a couple years now, but we'll head out uh, in May then uh-huh. to start our summer position and then basically work. And so your, your goal is to work someplace different every summer? Correct. Correct. Yes. So that yes. you can in take advantage of an interesting place that you want to be in. Anyway. place that we want to be in, yes, yeah. anyway. And, and another thing, too, that's also helped us is we do have health insurance. We were uh, able to get uh-huh. insurance through the Affordable Care Act, and that that was a big thing. And we did just have to recently change our our residency to Florida so that we could get better health uh-huh. insurance coverage. That's something everybody that's, has a that's question that's about. Really yeah. better network coverage. Better network coverage. Because now you have no ties to any place, so no. you have to get so independent we have insurance. Ve- we have very good um, nationwide uh-huh. coverage now, which really does uh-huh. give you some yeah. peace, peace of, of mind. mind. Absolutely. So that would have been an issue before the Affordable, affordable Care yes. Act was passed. Yes. Uh-huh. Will you be able to earn enough to make to make it on a yearly basis, or are you having to kick in? What do you mean at the end of their life? No. <laughs> well, I mean, no, I mean, are you going to have to kick for out of a savings account or something? Uh, we we do have savings. We have investments. Yeah. Um, like but, I said, we have a small pension. We, so far, we, have we been, haven't 
you had to yes. so, so far. This has so been self-sustaining. I right, mean, yes. your, your jobs yes. offset yes. So expenses far, for the whole year. our jobs have what we've made in our jobs uh-huh. um, have off, offset. Last year... Well, I think everybody has uh, that question. Think, oh, oh, absolutely. That's a really good... Yeah, absolutely. But I everybody think, spends you know, a different amount of money, yes. too. Yeah, I mean, some I, people can get by on uh-huh. $100 a month spending on uh-huh. groceries where somebody uh-huh. else is going to spend $1,000 because they go out to eat every night. Uh-huh. It depends on your vices. Exactly. Well, yes, for us, I think last year to get like kind of down to the dollars and cents, which is what people want. I think last year with our work camping jobs that we had, we made around $27,000. Mm-hmm. So you figure, and also for eight months of the year, we had no, no expenses, no expenses yeah. for camping. Right Now we were also fortunate last summer we got to do a lot of touristy stuff yeah. for free with that yeah. VIP pass. <laughs> so it's really what you're going to expend we're, we're paying $200 a month is for our health insurance so that's a reasonable cost and yeah, then it's very. just uh, like Dan said with groceries some people mm-hmm. do spend a lot on groceries but you can control that not everybody can <laughs> well, seriously I mean there are some people that they just won't make their yeah, own food yeah. you know and we like cooking but you so. knew it, this was something you right. knew in advance the Correct. kind of budget that you were going to yes. have it's kind of how you control your own expenses there's some things that we just don't really do much anymore mm-hmm. like you know going golfing and stuff we have bicycles now if we want to go ride our bicycles we'll do that um we don't really go to see movies but we didn't really do that much before Uh Um, we don't have satellite Um, we just get our Mm -hmm. over-the-air tv Mm -hmm. we did just upgrade though to get 30 gigabytes of Data, uh, data yeah. on, yeah. on our yeah. Verizon So then we can plan. stream some of our so TV we can shows, stream yeah. some yeah. things, and also so we can communicate with you know friends and family as well. Sure, sure. Did you make some plans for what happens if you keep doing this and your rig needs some major repair, revision? We, we, we do have a big emergency uh-huh. money that we did save up and, yeah, and put into savings, and we were very. Um, good about always saving when we did have full-time jobs. Mm-hmm. It's easier when you stuff. don't have it's kids. Easier. Yes, it is. It's so a lot did, easier so when you don't what, have what kids. What has been so. the biggest surprise? Oh, that's mm. a good question. I, I, I don't know. Well, unexpected... I, th- I think the, the unexpected mm-hmm. one maybe was just how much camaraderie there actually is with uh-huh. the, the people so that we meet at these exactly yes. that mm-hmm. we meet at these work camping uh-huh. facilities and it's just you know new friendships so that the, we've made. The and jobs have really improved your lives rather than just being drudgery. Right, right. I wouldn't say our lives were drudgery. I mean, we had no, no, no. friends. Yeah, they would be. Yes. This Amazon yeah. job oh, would be could very be much drudgery. Not yes. all the job itself is. Oh, yes, you're right. But I mean, the people there have made it correct. Oh yes, because Experience. There was when we were up in Jefferson, That's all it, yeah. of our, our work campers, a bunch of us were all sitting on break at one table. Uh-huh. And one of the regular full-time employees made a comment. He goes, I want to sit at that table because those people are having too much fun. Uh-huh. That's great. And, that's and really, I think it's just and that was true. I, yeah, and, I, and that's a surprise to me, so yes. I can yeah. see why it would be a yeah. surprise to that, you. That, so. that was a very nice thing. But otherwise, I don't think there's been anything the, the real The campgrounds, because have you had a lot of camping experience? Not, uh, really. not a lot. I uh, mean, I, I did some, when I was younger, I did more than I uh, did, uh, yeah. obviously, later. But so why'd you, why'd you choose a fifth wheel rather than a motorhome or vice versa? Uh, I think several reasons. Um, number one, I think affordability. I know uh-huh. some people say they're similar, but really uh-huh. they're not when you consider the maintenance uh-huh. and some of those type of things for a large uh, uh-huh. diesel engine, even though I do have uh-huh. a one-ton diesel yeah. po- towing vehicle. We have a 40-foot fifth wheel, but it has a really nice kitchen. It's mm-hmm. got a uh, center island, mm-hmm. um, lots of storage. Mm-hmm. 
and in a lot of the Class A's that we've seen, they, they don't have mm-hmm. as much kitchen storage, and none of them have a, a center island because they right. physically right. can't unless it pops up from the floor. I, I think that was one of the big things. And the other thing was we planned on staying somewhere for maybe yeah. two to four months at a time. So we can just park our trailer, and then we're good to go. Yeah, yeah. Now, I think had we been doing more traveling, yeah. then we might have wanted a Class A. because then. It, so you've been happy with your choice? We've been mm-hmm. very happy with our choice. The only downfall with having a large fifth wheel is sometimes, you know, you have to get into tighter spots, yeah, and yeah. you have to obviously maneuver it and back But it you're only not doing it that often. But, it, no, but for the no. few times you do it a year, it's really not mm-hmm. that bad. But I think the other thing was, you know, we had been listening to a lot of blogs early on, even some podcasts. Obviously, your podcast was uh-huh. one of the first ones that we listened to, yours <laughs> and the Living the Dream, um, yeah. John and Kathy Huggins. Your two really podcasts, along with some of the rallies that we had attended, uh-huh. are reasons that we're actually able to do this as well because we actually got the chance to listen to what other people were doing right. and by listening to their experiences, trying to see how our you could what we wanted yourself. to do, yeah, yeah. how we could fit into their yeah. similar plans, yeah. Yeah. and that helped us out a great deal. Well, I think you're an inspiration to other people too. <laughs> so this is you might want to start to sort of blog yourself. Well, because, we do have a blog. We do have a yeah. blog here. Yeah. Give us, give yourself we'll a plug. Put it on the show notes. Oh, okay. uh, our blog is live to rvcom It's so it's L I V. The number two rv.com okay. so it's only six letters live to rv liv uh-huh. and occasionally our dog RV. likes to blog she likes to give uh-huh. her view from the dog so <laughs> yeah. but i think that's important to a lot of people and in fact we looked at our statistics on our blog and yeah. some of the biggest days that we have a lot more people mm-hmm. viewing our mm-hmm. blog is when our dog posts yeah. <laughs> and, but but, it, but there's a lot of people that have pets and they, oh, they yeah. want to know things yes. and, oh, yeah. and sometimes you know it's a talk about uh, things that your pet can be uh-huh. doing and also some of the parks that we go to as far as uh-huh. you know dog friendly list right. having an area where right. your dog can play and where they see a lot of other dogs or where they don't and mm-hmm. those type of mm-hmm. things so and and one good thing um, just one other thing about amazon that was also good is you don't have to be a couple to work there there's uh-huh. a lots oh, and lots and lots of singles that work there which uh-huh. i think is great because then a lot of the singles can really get a lot more camaraderie as well uh-huh. if you're a couple you don't have to have both couples both of you working one of them can work and the uh-huh. other one doesn't and one of the things that was nice about that we actually found a dog walker then uh-huh. from one of the couples that uh-huh. had one of their spouses not working and they yeah. were able so to having walk an animal our dog. at amazon is entirely feasible yes. oh, oh yeah and the people that do the dog walking can make some pretty good cash uh-huh. and and the other thing was the first year we were there we actually met a very nice couple that worked the night shift and we worked the day shift uh-huh. so then we just swapped we walked their dog at night and they walked ours during the day yeah. and we were good you're to really go. making me want to go off and join Amazon I have a feeling there's something you're not telling me but, but, but trust it's, me the job hard. is extremely the job boring, is boring. It, it, it is very boring very especially physical. if you're probably interested you know have kind of an intellectual job as a full time yes. career I yes. could do it if it would let me part. listen to podcasts no you can't do that no headphones no outside things at all can be brought in we want to thank you very much for listening to the podcast first and then joining us and, and contributing and to us it down. yeah so this has been a great experience oh, it's, been, and, it's been a lot of and, fun and keep in touch with us and, and i'm well, sure our listeners will be very interested in continuing that to hear the story and it's been great to know that you are in a you know a campground near us <laughs> sorry that the interview uh, kind of abruptly ended but uh, it was the end of the interview <laughs> We do appreciate them joining us for those those couple of days, and we had a great time. And it's sorry that it took us so long to get this uh, interview on the air, but we've had several other interesting topics to talk about over the past couple of months. So we hope to uh, hear from them again and hear how their adventures with Amazon and other 
work camp or projects are going. And we think it's always nice to hear some other voices than ours who are having other experiences than diesel pusher experiences. And speaking of other voices, we have an email from Iggy uh, in Michigan. And I'm going to read a couple of segments out of this. Uh, A comment about how much you can afford in an RV. We recently traded our 2013 coach, which we bought in the spring of 2012, for a new coach. Our dealer sold our former coach to another dealer who listed it for sale at more than what we paid for it when it was new. The message is that used coaches may not be cheaper when they are new, so you might want to do your homework. Well, we saved a lot on ours, and I don't see how you could sell a coach for more than it would be worth new. But Well, and, and I know they always price high for having negotiation and wiggle room. Uh, we faced the same dilemma when we sold our old motor home. Our next-door neighbor is in the process of selling hers. And just like with a house, it's very hard to determine what the price should be, what the price is, and ultimately the price is whatever somebody else will want to pay for it. And I think dealers tend to start high, but I guess the bottom line here is negotiate, negotiate, negotiate. They also remind me here that we met them in Brunswick, Georgia. Yeah, yeah. they looked at our coach. They looked at our coach, right, so we know that they were actually out shopping. And then they go on to say that we never have done any boondocking and never used our inverter to power our coach either while sitting or moving. We have almost zero knowledge about how to use it and what setting to use. We have not found much of any info on the web regarding how to use an inverter. Needless to say, we tend to go to places that have electric service because we don't know how to use the inverter. So any podcast information you can give would be great. We've looked at the control panels, the manual, but most of the terms are beyond our skill level. Therefore, we are confused. Of course, the next question is using the generator to power things and control panels settings. Many RVers we've talked to have never used their generator. We do try to run it monthly to keep it operating, but beyond that, we're lost. We're sure that you could write a very large document on the subject. <laughs> Any help would be great. Thank you for suggesting this topic. It yes. never occurred to us that to you talk would about have an inverter and not, a generator and, and never use have it. used either yeah. one. But I guess you know it's kind of sure? like one of those things. Yeah, if Start you're not talking. sure, if you're not sure, well, I don't know. You're going to have to send in some more questions because I'm going to not answer all of your questions, but we're certainly happy to start off this topic. Of course, it's good to exercise these devices, and it's good that you've started your generator. But as long as you paid for them... But you you understand that really the generator has no settings to speak of. On and off. (laughs) On and off. So... I believe you had a Phaeton, which is a nice coach with a big generator that has an automatic start on the inside, and that you have what's called a transfer switch, so that when you start the generator, when it has uh, settled into its power cycle, in other words, uh, after about 30 seconds of running, the the engine is up to speed and it's it's putting out good electricity, the transfer switch senses this, and it automatically transfers all of the AC requirements in your motor coach to the generator. Even if you're plugged in, it will transfer because you cannot have both shore power and generator power coming into the coach at the same time. So the transfer switch stands between you and the shore power and it will transfer 
when it senses the generator on, it will it will transfer the power. When you're going down the road, there's no real problem. Just turn on your generator if you want to cook or you want to do something with that requires AC power, and it will automatically power the coach. And you don't hurt anything no. if you run the generator while you are plugged Not in? A, as we found out when we were at Hershey, Pennsylvania, right. and right. we, we were in a campground that could not provide us with the amount of power to run our air conditioners, so we turned on the generator and the transfer switch kicked out the, the, the campground power and turned it on the generator power, and we were running our air conditioners with our generator. The generator uses maybe half a gallon an hour, so it's, it's pretty frugal. And it's always set so that you can't run yourself dry enough so that you exactly. can't drive away. Exactly. So there's no problem with running your generator virtually any time that you need AC power. My, my biggest concern in running the generator is the neighbors around me. Yes. Because they there are lots of campgrounds that do not allow generators, but in terms of your coach... Going down the road, you can run it. We've run it uh, to run the air conditioners when it's really hot outside because the dash air just plain doesn't do what the air conditioners, well, enough air conditioning to, to cool the coach. Or if you want to cook lunch or whatever. Okay, so the generator is pretty self-explanatory. I mean, there's nothing really much to do once you turn it on. To me, and the if issue it's a, as a boondocker yeah. is is how do I know when my batteries are too well, low? Well, I'm going to talk about one more thing before we okay. get to that. <laughs> We had a new coach owner uh, talk to us one day, and they could not get their generator started. <laughs> and the diesel generators have glow plugs. This may sound technical, but it has a start position, a switch that you push in, and the generator, unlike your car, does not just start right up. Because the glow plugs have to heat up and heat the fuel and air and stuff in the in the cylinders in order for a diesel to start. So depending on the temperature outdoors, you might have to hold the start button for at least 30 seconds. But hold it in continuously, and there will be should be a little light that flashes or some indication that it's going to start. And when it senses that the generator has enough uh, juice to start, it will then start. And then it will take a few minutes for it to stabilize. So don't worry about that if it's not a problem if your generator does not start right up just like your car does. Uh, this is, of course, with a diesel. If you're using a gas, that's not an issue or propane. And we have a display plugged in which tells us when the generator is putting out enough power to, like, start the microwave. But often I can kind of hear mm -hmm. it sounds different. Well, you can hear when the transfer switch Once it's in. really right. going. Right. And it has all sorts of sensing circuits which make it so that that's not really too much of an issue. It will not let you make a, a, a mistake. Now, the inverter creates the same 110-volt power that you have from the shore power, but it makes it from batteries. And as we have mentioned, this process can be quite inefficient. But the inverter does allow you to have 110-volt power without having the generator running. So it's basically free. And as long as you don't run down your batteries, um, the inverter power works just like the AC, except that there's not as large a quantity of it. So an inverter, if it's built into your coach, just turn it on. And <laughs> we leave ours on all the time so that uh, things like um, our clocks and 
things that have sensors in them don't are always are always available to us. Things I mean, I like my VCR plugged into it, and and it runs that. So there are nice features to having the inverter. And it just will not do things like your air conditioner. Heavy-duty power loads just cannot be taken from the batteries. Or my hair dryer. Yeah, well, it'll do your hair dryer for a short period of time. So they come in, in wattages. Our inverter is a 3,000 watt. More common is a 2,000 watt. So that if you have a 1,200 watt microwave, it'll run the microwave. If you have a 1,200 watt hair dryer it will run the hair dryer but it won't run both of them simultaneously and frankly it'll probably kick off so if you go look at your circuit breaker panel in your motorhome you will note that there are two sets of breakers one for everything and then one for the inverter and some circuits in your motorhome are controlled inverter powered and some are shore power powered so if you're not plugged in and you're trying to run something that is not powered by your inverter, you can't. Right. Whereas the generator will run everything full time. As if you were plugged in. As if you were plugged in. It has well, when you're plugged into fifty <laughs> I want to get into this. If you're plugged into fifty amp, you have a hundred amps of power, our generator puts out like seventy amps. So that you could run everything almost all the time and not have to worry about it. But of course you're using fuel. Whereas the batteries will run our refrigerator, which in our case is very critical. We want to keep that refrigerator running. Somebody told me that they turn off the refrigerator when they're on the road. And, of course, if you just unplug yourself and you don't have your inverter on, it's going to turn off your refrigerator. Which means, to me, you have to go back and set the refrigerator settings every time when you plug it in. Anyway, that's why I would leave the inverter on. If you have a, re a residential fridge, you want it to be on all the time. And that's what the batteries are for. Their temperature rose uh, 10 to 15 degrees in, in five or six hours. Mm -hmm. So that driving home, I wanted the refrigerator on, so I left the inverter running. Now, I'm remembering a problem we had once <laughs> where thinking. the inverter was putting power back into the batteries, but we didn't know it, and we were running other stuff, and then we blew something out. <laughs> Am I saying this right? I have no idea what you're talking oh. about. The inverter... And you had to reset it? The inverter does have a separate system which charges the batteries. So the inverter is actually inverter-converter because... So it was sucking juice, and then I was cooking, and I was sucking juice... Right. And so what? Two, we were trying okay, to do so, too much yeah, sucking. Okay. So now uh, that's cl more clear to me now. The real situation there is is that I believe we were plugged into thirty amp. Yeah, it could be external, mm -hmm. and the shore power was thirty amp. And when we plugged in, we were blowing the breaker, because after driving all day and leaving your inverter sucking juice out of the batteries for the refrigerator and whatever else you might be doing. The batteries need to be charged, and you use shore power or generator power to charge the batteries. So that the batteries can take a lot of charging juice and up to 30 amps. So that when we plugged in and you started to use appliances inside the motorhome, because the batteries were taking 30 amps, there was no power left over for yeah, the appliances. So your inverter will have a setting, and we have a control panel on our control panel master setup that allows you to set how much of your shore power will go toward charging the batteries. And ours started at 30 amps and went down to 5. 
So depending on how much stuff you want to do in your motorhome, if you're going to come to a campsite, plug in, and then leave, let it take the 30 amps, and it will gradually taper off to zero. When the batteries are fully charged, you know, you're not going to need any shore power to charge them. So with that said, when you are plugging in and it's night and you're after a long day of driving and you're going to cook, you want to turn that down to five amps so that the batteries will charge overnight, but you can cook during the day. Enough power will remain for living. And then, you know, when you go to bed, you might want to turn up the battery charging power, you know, to 15 or 20 or 30. So if you're plugged into 50 amp, which it sounds like they are most of the time, it's not much of a big deal. But to me, having all these nice expensive accessories in your motorhome that you paid for these, I mean, the the generator was $8,000. You know, if you pay for these things, why not go out and boondock? And you might just experiment, um, do it in your driveway or go to a Walmart and stay there overnight. Right, certainly certainly start off slow. How your system is looking in the morning, how robust your batteries are, yeah. before you really commit to a week in the desert or something like that. If you've never boondocked, you don't need batteries. I mean, to have, all you need is one 12-volt battery in there to kind of stabilize the system, and you wouldn't need all those, uh, the eight batteries that we have. But, of course, we enjoy boondocking. It's a really pleasurable experience and a, and a whole new world of camping, I think. And we have, as you probably know, we've stayed for a week or so in places, and we're heading out to, <laughs> we just made a reservation for Lake Havasu, Arizona for next February because we're going to the fireworks festival. And the cool part about that is is that we're going to be boondocking in a, they call it the rodeo grounds, and the fireworks are going to be right there. So we're going to have the best seats in the house because we're able to boondock. Everybody else is going to have to drive in, pay for parking, and, and leave. And we're going to be boondocking there for five or six nights and we'll be very comfortable and living just like we do when we are at home or in the motorhome regularly so i think that's a really beneficial and i would say for us overall we have solar panels which of course adds another variable to to the situation but for us when we boondock we tend to run the generator when we get up for an hour or two so we can make coffee and put the power back in the batteries from during the night and then we turn everything off and leave for the day and do whatever we're going to do and then when we come back we turn the generator on again for three or four hours yeah watch a little tv and that lets us lead a normal life uh with everything that we would normally do plugged in it's just a matter of trial and error here you don't want to deplete your batteries more than 50 percent so you need to look at the voltage on your panel to see what the battery voltage is and not let it drop below, I believe it's 10.8 volts. And when it does, <laughs> ours has an automatic gen start. So that when it drops too low, it automatically starts the generator, and the generator will then recharge the batteries as well as power everything else in the coach. Otherwise, you have to pay attention. The reason why you don't want to deplete your batteries further is because their lives will be dramatically Dramatically shortened. shortened. And you want your batteries to last a good long time because they're a fairly expensive investment. So ask us more questions. Ask us more questions. But thanks for that question. I hope that the explanation was reasonably clear. Let's talk about a couple of more things. We saw this smart cookware set. It seems like we spend a lot of time talking about pots and pans, and I guess we haven't found the perfect ones yet, because last time we were talking about 
induction cookware. Yes. But another issue for those of us who live in small spaces is fitting all the pots and pans into the little cubby holes that they provide for us. And this person, I think, started with this problem in the marine environment, which shares a lot of these same problems yes. with us. And he's come up with square cookware with rounded corners uh, that sticks very nicely into each other. And in between each pan, he has a little pad, which will stop it from rattling while you're going down the road and then serves as a hot pad when you're done cooking and you're putting your pan on the table. All the lids uh, fastens tightly, and he can even put put his cookware then in the uh, fridge and use it as a storage device. And it has a snap-on, snap-off handle that he uses for all the pans, and that then saves a lot of space. So he's got a complete set of four pots and pans, including a frying pan, in about a one-foot square space. Yeah, so um, very clever. Uh, you'll see when you watch the video, this is coming from Australia. So I haven't <clears throat> checked if it's available for purchase here, but if it's a good idea, he's been doing these since 2011. I bet you can get it on Amazon. I'll bet you you can, our favorite store. And, of course, where will you find the link for this? On the RV Navigator show notes. You got it. Smart Space Cookware from Australia. Uh, and what do RV RVs cost to own? Well, that's a question that you should think about when you are... It should be part of the process of deciding which kind of RV to buy, especially if you are moving into the RV market for the first time, because you tend to think about what is it going to cost me to buy it, but you Mm -hmm. don't tend to think about what it's going to cost me to fix stuff until you have to start fixing stuff. Now, this has a nice chart with um, general figures for the various kinds of Class A, Class B, Class C RVs, and gives you an indication of what you can expect to to be spending on stuff after you've moved down the road for a while. Uh, it was good information. All right. So we will uh, remind you that we are at rvnavigator.com, and we appreciate emails as we have commented on this one at length. So we appreciate you talking with us. We appreciate you going to the iTunes store and giving us a review if you get a chance to do that. We appreciate you coming to Google Plus and visiting our page there. We now have 325 or so visitors. Members. Members, right. So we are happy to have you as members and uh, contributing and making comments and sharing your ideas. Helping each other. uh, In between podcasts because it's tough for us to always get back to you. Because we are sometimes on cruises and we're... Out and about. So we have to say as we sign off that we won't be at a campground near you. We might be on a cruise ship cabin near you. Uh, that's possible. Next month. That's right. We will not be camping in May, but we will be off in June. So we are looking forward to a great summer vacation. And if you are off this summer, please remember us and take us with you in your car so that you can listen to the RV Navigator as you go down the road. And maybe you'll be in a campground near us in the not-too-distant future. Until then... Bye for now. Happy travels.